From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamp of Jersey in Daytona Beach, Florida, this is Teeing It Up with Jer- uh, sorry, Teeing It Up presents the Sunday Sprint, the season finale for Super Bowl Sunday, February, let's say Luke the 4th, uh, 2018, Luke Morrow's alongside, I said on this show two weeks ago I would not talk to you, Luke, if the Vikings lost the NFC Championship game, that unfortunately held true, this is our first conversation in two weeks, how are you? I'm okay. Uh, you know, two weeks removed. Uh, the Super Bowl, I guess, could be a little tough to watch, especially these two teams. Uh, yeah, I'd rather they just canceled it as opposed to having to watch either the Eagles or the Patriots win a Super Bowl. But, um, you know, you yourself can relate as a Jets fan. You know about uh, hard losses, heartbreaking losses. And for the Vikings, this wasn't so much heartbreaking like, say, 2009 or if they had lost the week prior against the Saints. Uh, it was more just disappointing with everything that lined up for them. They could have had a home Super Bowl. Only Nick Foles stood in their way, and they played uh, maybe the worst game in the four years under Mike Zimmer. I mean, absolutely terrible while the Eagles had a, a career game. And, and if the Eagles play like they did that Sunday, uh, today, I think that they'll be the ones holding the, the trophy at the end of the day because they played uh, phenomenal. Nick Foles had the game of his career, and now they're going to have to try to duplicate it. But just disappointing for the Vikings to get so outcoached out-schemed, uh, outplayed, all that sort of stuff, um, because they really should have put up a better performance in the whole game. Amazing how a game can switch on one play. The Vikings had a 7 nothing lead. They had the ball at midfield. Uh, the crowd was out of it, and that Case Keenum pick six essentially ended their season. So uh, you move on as a Vikings fan. You get through today. Then it's the offseason. Um, but uh, I think more disappointing is that this is our final show until September. I was going to ask you what happened, but you basically just answered it. <laughs> yeah, well, I had two weeks to think about it, so all wrapped up into one. But, I mean, everything happened. Everything that went wrong did go wrong for the Vikings. Uh, it, it's amazing. You know, Nick Foles, when throwing at Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, or Terrence Newman, the four best defensive backs in the Vikings, and a couple of those, uh, the best defensive backs in the league at their positions, Nick Foles was 17 for 18 when throwing at them. Uh, you know, all the every, that's just classic Vikings. Um, the things that work so well for them all season always fail in the biggest moments, and that's why they've now lost, I think it's what, six straight uh, title games. They've been to the NFC Championship for the last 20 years, I believe it is, which is uh, the second most in the NFC, but but no wins, and that's the life of a Vikings fan. You know, um, it's it's funny in that, not not funny, but for weeks we talked about when would Nick Foles not play well in a good spot? When would one of these teams that wasn't supposed to be there, whether it was the Jags, the Eagles, the Vikings, show what we all expected from them? Jags never did. I, you, you can't fault Blake Bortles. Uh, that could have been, you know, play calling. could have been just Danny Amendola going nuts, but it wasn't Blake Bortles blowing up. Nick Foles went nuts, but it was Case Keenum. Um <coughs> Excuse me, showing his true colors, um, and I, I just never thought it would be that one-sided and that dominant. And it was really, you know, when when you drove right down the field, and I'll be honest, I was watching golf during a lot of that game, and I turned around, it was twenty-one-seven or whatever it was. I'm like, holy crap! But you drove right down the field, got the Kyle Rudolph touchdown. And I thought, hey, this is you know off to a good start, and then nope. 
Yeah, it was it was amazing. That's what I mean by that one play with the pick yeah. six. Yeah, yeah. The Vikings drove right down the field, as you said. They went no huddle in that drive, which I think could be a big thing for uh, Tom Brady tonight against that defense. Uh, went right down the field, no huddle, and then for whatever reason, they ditched the, the no huddle approach after that drive. But you go up 7 nothing. Uh, they allowed a first down to the Eagles, but then a three and out after that. So a quick drive for the Eagles offense. Uh, and then the Vikings hit the ball back. They're driving. They have it at midfield, as I said. I mean, it was dead silent already. The, uh, the announcers were talking about how the crowd was out of it and already feeling kind of doom and gloom. And then you get that pick six, and the place goes crazy. And from there, it was all downhill. And even later on in the first half, I mean, it was a seven-point game. I think three minutes left in the first half where the Vikings are in the red zone with a chance to tie. Keenum gets stripped back. Eagles go down and score to make it 21-7. Vikings punt it away with 29 seconds left. And in 29 seconds, the Eagles go from, I think, their own 20 into field goal range against the best defense in the league to get a field goal. And at that point, it was, it was already over up 17 at halftime. So uh, Keenum had three turnovers, um, played really poorly in the, in the playoffs, I think, hurting his, his, his stock here moving forward. But three turnovers for Keenum, and Nick Foles had, had the career game. That's the difference. And now, uh, as you look towards today's games, similar situation. It's tough to compare Tom Brady and Nick Foles, but which Foles is going to show up? Is he going to be able to have a similar performance to two weeks ago, which may be a lot to ask for him, or is he going to be the Case Keenum that kind of chokes in a big moment and commits a bunch of turnovers to put his team in a bad spot? Before we get into Super Bowl 52 uh, full throttle, i got to ask you, Randy Moss is going to the Hall of Fame. You must be happy. Oh, absolutely, and uh, Steve Hutchinson was, was close as well, um, which would have been nice. But well-deserved for Randy Moss. Uh, I think certainly the, the best receiver of my lifetime. I caught Jerry Rice at the end when he kind of bounced around some teams and, and was washed up at that point. But um, I think Rice and Moss are probably the two best of, of all time. And well-deserved for Randy, my favorite player to watch in a football uniform. And so uh, happy for him, especially with how emotional everything he got when uh, he heard the news. So congrats to, to Moss. It's certainly well-deserved. You know, you said I caught Randy. You caught Jerry Rice. Uh, the, 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 the way that catchers talk about catching pitchers, I'm like, wait a second. Do you have, and Jerry Rice have a history I don't know about? <laughs> yeah, we, played, uh, we played on the same softball team for a little while. Yeah, there you go. Um, all right, Super Bowl 52, Pats, Eagles. You can watch it tonight on the National Broadcasting Company uh, Network at 6.30. For me, Luke, I think the Patriots have the advantage when they're on offense. I think the Eagles have the advantage when they're on offense. For me, this game comes down to that side of the ball. If the Eagles win this coin toss, I think they have to take it, and I think they have to try to drive right down the field and get points. You know Bill Belichick has told the Pats, we can't go down 28-3 again, again, again. We need to get up fast, out to a good start. I really think it's imperative tonight for the Eagles to get off to a good start, to get moving, and to get going. They can't turn the ball over. We know that. They can't make stupid defensive lapses. We know that. But for me, this is all about the Eagles' offense and how efficient they can be and how quick they can get down the field and score to start the game. Yeah, I agree with the uh, quick score. I mean, the Patriots, obviously different teams, but, but Belichick and Brady being the constant, they've never scored in the first quarter in any of their Super Bowls. Which is absurd. They're a slow starting offense. Yeah, it's hard to believe. So if the Eagles can get off to that quick start, build the lead, uh, obviously uh, that would help any team if you could jump out potentially two scores. But especially for the Eagles, because then you can rely a little bit on that run game, make it a little easier on Nick Foles, go with the, the run pass options and all that sort of stuff, and, and take a lot of the load off of Foles and, and to be able to play from ahead and, 
And that also allows your defense to then pin their ears back, that very good defensive line that pressures the quarterback well, and they can over-pursue to get after Brady some more with the lead as the game moves along. But, you know, we saw it last week with the Jaguars. We've seen it in the last two Patriots Super Bowls with the Seahawks at the goal line, the Falcons up 28-3. I think the, the Patriots' biggest weapon right now is just their reputation. And for whatever reason, teams always, uh, flip some sort of switch. They almost get too scared holding a lead late against the Patriots. They overthink things. The Seahawks in that game, they were up 10 late in the third quarter. They blew it. They overthought things. The goal line with that interception. We know about the Falcons choke up 25. The play calling of abominable in the fourth quarter from Kyle Shanahan. And la- uh, two weeks ago, you look at the Jaguars up 10 in the fourth quarter. Every first down for the Jaguars in the fourth quarter was a run out of shotgun. And every second down was a deep pass of at least 15 yards. You don't think Belichick and the defense caught on to that? Yeah. Same thing. Four drives in a row, and only once did they run the play clock below nine seconds. So for the Eagles, it's almost like getting out of your own way. You build a lead on the Patriots, keep doing what you did to build the lead, and don't fall apart in the fourth quarter like so many teams do against Belichick out of apparently fear. Jake Elliott is the Eagles kicker. Steven Gostowski is the Patriots kicker. We know what Steven has done. We don't know what Jake has done. I think this is a really fascinating, fascinating, fascinating decision that Doug Peterson will have at times, which is how much do you trust a rookie kicker in a big spot? We know what Belichick thinks of of Gostowski. Who knows how Jake will respond to the moment? Absolutely, but you got to have faith in your kicker. Um... You know, I think if Carson Wentz is the quarterback, there's certain spots where you'd be more prone to, to go for situations or be more aggressive. Uh, Nick Foles, I don't know if you want to do that as often. Obviously, it'll depend on the situation. Doug Peterson's an aggressive coach, though, so who knows how he plays it. But, um, you know, his kicker's got a big leg, even for a rookie. Obviously, the game is indoors. The doors will be closed. There won't be any open roof or anything. Really? Really? You think, they, you think the NFL would allow it to be zero? Yeah, shocking, I know. Um <laughs> So you don't have to worry about the, the elements at all. No wind, nothing, kicking off the turf. So um, he's got a big leg. Hopefully he's got uh, uh, ice water in his veins as well. Any quirks about U.S. Bank Stadium? Does, have, have they had field trouble? Is it usually slippery? Anybody have some issues? Is one side of the field, you know, uh, playing into a setting sun, although by then it will be dark. But any quirks about the stadium that we should watch out for? No, not really. Yeah, you said it at that time of night. The only little quirk that they added was that uh, the way they built the roof, the sun reflects down onto the um, uh, into like the eyes of the the visiting bench to try to you know make it harder to see, whatever it may be. But at this point, that shouldn't be an issue. I haven't heard any uh, complaints about the turf. I know the Eagles were unhappy with the practice facility turf this past week, but that's obviously a different story. Um, so uh, you know, it, it should play out fine. It's it's a fantastic stadium, a great team to host the Super Bowl. It's just a shame to see the Eagles logo be painted on one of the end zones today. Yeah. Um, uh, quickly, let's let's move on to other things. Number one, we got a crowded leaderboard at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Ricky Fowler leads a bunch of guys, including Bryson DeChambeau and Phil and, and John Rahm. <coughs> Excuse me, in a really tightly patched leaderboard. What are you looking for today? Hey, you know, maybe I will tune into that. This is like one of the, the least excited Super Bowls I've experienced. So You and my dad, both. Yeah, maybe golf will be the answer. Jim Nance will be waiting for you. 
maybe if they add Tony Romo to the booth, I'll become a big golf That fan. may happen in May. Keep an eye on that. Can't wait. Um, and, and you'll see Tony Romo playing at Pebble Beach on CBS next week. So Jimmy and Tony, oh, will, be, Jimmy and Tony will be reunited next week. And then uh, there have been hints about a booth appearance in May. So just keep an eye out on that. Number two, you excited for Justin Timberlake? Um, yeah, I don't really care about the Timberlake performance. I'm not a big Timberlake fan. He also is a Packers fan. He said so during his press conference in Minnesota, so forget him. Uh, too bad Prince wasn't still alive. That would have been a, a phenomenal um, halftime show. And I guess the reports about the Prince hologram are actually false. So well, I'm sure it'll be a good show at halftime. We'll see what it's like, but uh, I don't really care about Timberlake. Why do I feel like uh, you're going to be like reading, you know, a, a book or something during this uh, Super Bowl? You, you <laughs> just what don't. I said to some friends this morning, like I, I've, I've considered not even watching it. I don't really care, but it's the Super Bowl. You can't skip the Super Bowl, so. Uh, you got to see if we have a, a, a rules kerfluffle over what's a catch. Yeah, yeah, that would make things so much better. I mean, just <laughs> there's not much. Once the game starts, I'm sure I'll, I'll be into it, but I just really have zero excitement right now for this game. What's funny, Luke, is that you you had a ton of passion for this episode at the start, and then as we've gone, and we're now 13 <laughs> minutes and 10 seconds in, it's just petered out. You're just you're showing your your true emotions as we keep going here. Yeah, it's just so disturbing. It's like I'm on the couch here with a therapist talking about, I mean, the Vikings with their worst performance in years and now trying to pick a Super Bowl winner between the Eagles and the Patriots. If you throw in the Cowboys, I think it's the three worst fan bases in NFL. And these two are probably maybe two of the worst in all of sports. And uh, I don't think either one deserves a Super Bowl. So um, either way, you'll be unhappy for me when either the Eagles or the Patriots fans are celebrating after tonight. Um, my therapist, and I said this last week uh, on one of the shows I did, uh, my therapist is an Eagles fan, so I think our roles might be reversed uh, this week if they lose. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Yes, uh, for sure. She is a diehard Eagle fan who wrote them off after the Carson Wentz injury. Yes, like so many people. And so this is Nick Foles and the Eagles chance. They've, they've ridden this underdog story a long way, but if you're upset with being an underdog against the Patriots, then uh, I don't know what to tell you. That's a little bit absurd. But it's gotten them this far. Um, and, you know, everyone essentially is counting them out in this game. Maybe that will help them. But for Nick Foles, this is the first time he's not playing at home in almost two months. At least it's not the road. It's a neutral site. Um, but, you know, the game's going to come down to him. Yeah. All right. Luke, we're getting to the end of our radio program. Uh, You're late with that. I'm a little rusty after a week off. Clearly. All right. How, how do you see this playing out? What's your pick? Well, the Patriots always keep these Super Bowl games close. I will say this is close. If Nick Holes comes out, has a few turnovers, and just stinks up the place, then, then things will get ugly really quick. I don't think that will happen. I'll say this. I think the Eagles... Uh, are better at almost every spot on the roster, and the Eagles dominate at the offensive line, the defensive line, like they did, like the Vikings found out two uh, weeks ago. And if the Eagles can do that again today, get after Brady defensively, protect Bulls offensively, they'll be able to hang around. But I'm not going to overthink it. It's Brady, it's Belichick, and it's Nick Foles up against them. While the Vikings got outcoached, no way is Belichick going to get outcoached and let Nick Foles beat him. So uh, I think the Eagles are actually the better team outside of the quarterback position, but that's the most important position. Patriots win, I'll say, 24-17. Gronk's back. Um, 
better team. They've been here before. They win a tight one, 28-24. Um, I think that they're just a better team, and they'll show up in the big spots. Yeah, absolutely. Luke, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure for sure all year long. Thank you all for watching the Sunday Sprint all year. Luke will be back on Teeing It Up soon. Uh, for Luke in Daytona Beach, I'm Jeremy Schilling. Thank you for uh, listening to the Sunday Sprint all year. This is, what, like year seven or eight of us doing this? It's a joy each and every week. Have a great Super Bowl Sunday, everybody, and we'll see you soon.